You get over Mount Work when you're on the way back and you're like, okay, I got that done. And then you like start going down, you get to the aid station at Ross Durant's and you're like, man, I'm feeling great. And then you realize I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be going right down to the ocean. And then I got to do this stupidly long, savage climb that is going to take me who knows how long. And it just, you just, it's so mentally draining. Welcome back to the Finless in Arm race recap, where I sit down with Mike, the race director, post-race, and we talk about the most epic weekend of the year for both of us. The first race back um, for a lot of people after the pandemic, and I know our American listeners and Australian listeners and across the world have been racing earlier, but in Canada, it took us a little bit longer to get back, so we are just getting into the swing of things, and... This was my first race after the pandemic and also after mat leave. So I had some major anxiety going into it. And this was the perfect race to come back to. I approached that first aid station and it is such a party. The volunteers were so supportive, so upbeat. It was such a lively event that I immediately was like, win, lose, DNF. This is why... We race for this um, community and it was everything I dreamed it would be and more, uh, as well as everything I dreamed as and more of difficulty level. If you are looking for something stupidly challenging, this is a bitch of a race that I suggest you try. Okay, so before we get into this race recap, I need to give a shout out to two people who ran on the same day from our local running community. So first of all, uh, Jenny, who you can, I don't actually, Quilty, Jenny Quilty. Her Instagram is Jenna That's what I was getting confused by. You can find her at Adventures of Jen Thar. She is one of the most inspirationally fast, is that, a, is that a sentence that you can use? Runners and humble and fun people out there. I've had the pleasure of running with her a few times and getting to know her just through racing. And she was on the podcast and she messaged me before and was like, Oh my God, I think we're racing on the same day. And we were like, okay, let's just go out there and give her shit and basically be tough. Like we, she, I can't say we is a super nice person. And she's like, and I want to just like throw down the hammer and race. And she did. She raced, um, UTHC, which is the Ultra Trail Hurricana, Canna, I can't say it, Hurricana, Canada. Um, it's a North Face trail running in Quebec, and it's 125K. It's got loads of up, loads of down, loads of technical, all the things that make a race tough. Um, and she went out there and just smashed it and came second female, sorry, second overall and first female. Um, so she's super amazing, and I suggest you go check out everything that she's done again at Adventures of Gen N. Jen Thar on Instagram. Sorry, Jenny, I'm butchering all that, but it's a mouthful. And when you say it out loud, I'm learning. Uh, but she's on my Instagram at hillsport55. You guys will find her. The other one is Katie Mills, who obviously you guys have heard me talk about, who absolutely demolished the field at Dragon's Back Race. I am interviewing her, so I will get the specific stats on how well she did against the men and how many dropouts there were. But there were many people that did not even finish this race and she just tootled along like it was nothing. I mean, it probably wasn't nothing, but we got to follow her tracker and her little red dot just took away from the field and she won. And it's six days 
and it is over 17,000 meters. So that's over like 51,000 feet of elevation. Um, so I am seeing her tomorrow, a week after the last day, and I imagine her feet are still very, very messed up. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this event. This was really fun. Mike and I didn't have any um, outline here. We just went ahead and chatted about the race. You can tell in both of our voices that it's four days after and we are still a bit tired. So brief rundown, the 100K is on Friday. It starts at 5 p.m. Why? People were like, is there a dangerous aspect? No, it's because Mike wants to make it hard and 5 p.m. sucks and it does. Because you can't have like, the, there's so much traffic, it's rush hour to get to the race start at that point. You can't have this like luxurious napping day. You have to figure your shit out to get there on time. And it makes it just hard enough to get a restful day. Uh, and then it also is one of the warmest parts of the day, but you're going into the night. So you're going to start on this rock face climb with the sun beating into your face. And then you're going to be soaked in sweat going into the night. And you run 100K. It's closer to about 106, 108. The, so that goes through the night. At 7 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays, so it's an out and back twice. At 7 o'clock in the morning on the Saturday, the 50Kers start. So you are somewhere on the course trying to finish your race when these fresh people come barreling through. Um, and it is intimidating and awesome because you get to witness these guys at like wherever you are, 25, 15 whatever kn um just going all out and they're looking at you like you are a fucking ghost and that's pretty fun and then you finish sometime on the saturday and you get to nap or try to go to bed and then the 28k races on sunday morning and that is the second part of the double is that you wake up and race again so that's just enough time for the soreness to hit you we've all done a race woken up the next morning and the thought of getting to the start line for another 28K of another 1,500 meters of climbing, 4,500 feet. The Friday night, some of the coolest things were the mice and the slugs and the spiders that came out, the hallucinations. We had just the most beautiful evening. It's all along the ocean, up and down these mountains, so you kind of see boat lights and random lights as you go. Um, it was like a magical experience in a new world and people are like oh you have so much to think about when you're out there and uh I I kind of don't find that I find like you're not really thinking about anything but the exact moment you're in and in that case it is like the worst most painful time but also the most peaceful time and the only time I'm like super connected to just like me and it's hard to find a super busy smaller race that does that same for me um so the fact that this was still had 100 people signed up for the 100k but you still got I think after tell Mike after one after 30k I didn't run with anybody another step um so I was completely alone through the night and it was amazing but I would have been a little bit scared had it been point to point but because it was an out and back I did see I did pass people going the other direction and that was kind of fun to like at least touch base and be like, okay, if there's a bear or a cougar, there are other humans out here. Uh, so I really, I really love that aspect of it now that I reflect on it. Um, so I had a goal of finishing before Baker had to nap on Saturday and that would be noon and that would be 19 hours. And I, a few people asked what my goal was and I said that and they looked at me like not a chance in hell. And even on lap one, I said, I'm going to finish tomorrow in time to see my son and 
the guy was running with said lap two is going to be way harder. And that means you have to run this another 19 hours. And I was like, yeah. And, um, he basically just said, good luck. And that fueled my fire a bit. And then I also laughed and I was like, yeah, I, I know lap two gets harder. Like that shouldn't be a surprise. I've got one speed. This is it. This is how both laps are going to go. Lap two is going to take longer in aid stations because I'm going to have to fill up on food. I just took enough calories for lap one and didn't really stop. Um, and it, for the first time compared to my last time, went exactly to plan. I finished in 1825. Um, was so excited about that. I was lucky enough to come first female, which was um, a huge bonus, but I just wanted to be able to execute my own race after Katie and I did the van 100 and it was such a fucking shit show. Um, so I was really excited about that finish and just feeling good. And a huge part of that was my rib, which actually took about half the race before it came out completely, um, which is amazing. So I'd been doing some like different kinds of physio and different kinds of work on it. So to be able to get it to a place where it didn't come out as quickly and as terribly as it has in the past was really exciting. Um, and then of course, so lap two took a little bit longer because I had to do a few lay down on rocks and trees and pop it back in. But I also found a way to like move it a bit on a tree stump. So, um, it was nice that all of those things came in together. I had an athlete do the race, Emma Noon, and she fucking crushed. And it was her first 100K, and I was so impressed. And I saw her, and she was looking so strong and so good. Um, yeah, everybody just looked like they were having the best time when they were out there. And I haven't done an out and back in a really long race before, so I haven't gotten to see people. And you can see like on their face that they're in such a dark place. And then you start talking to them for a second and you can like bring each other out. And that was really cool. I think that's all I can say. That's a lot of the race recap, but people always ask for them. Um, we give a shout out to some of the people. Lindsay Christant, who's done this podcast before, ran the 28K so fast. I think it was 320, which is amazing uh, for that terrain. I had another athlete, Julie, who ran a very good 28 um, and had a knee injury and still toughed it out and was really proud of her. And some people who had some unlucky times, Brittany, I think, could do really well at that course, but she puked a lot, and that's part of life, right? So I'll leave it at that. I'll let you guys listen to Mike and I ramble on. If you want to find me on Instagram and see photos of the race, it's hillsport55. And a link to our Patreon is there as well, where there are a backlog of episodes. There's only a few up right now, but I'm going to keep putting up there a couple of workouts here and there. It's pretty low-key, but it's just a place to support the women, and we can keep the podcast going. Okay, thanks, everybody. Bye. Okay, we are back. It is Thursday after the Finless and Arm weekend, so four days after the end of the event, and I am back with the race director, Mike. How are you feeling? Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm feeling all right. I'm starting to get my energy back. Uh, it's a pretty relentless weekend for, for all of us. But yeah, I, I, it sounds probably sounds like I'm a little bit sick right now, but I'm actually not. It's just, I think it's just, uh, I'm phlegmy from all the caffeine and everything like that we consume. My body's like on overdrive right now. Yeah, it sounds like running it and directing it, your body goes through similar pains. 
<laughs> yeah, I, <clears throat> the only thing I have to say is I, I'm probably not as sore as as you are. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think there's a little bit of uh, soreness that goes on from standing, but uh, you know, I think it's marginal compared to what you experienced. How was your race? Let's talk about that first. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. I'm surprisingly, I went for a jog today and felt good. Um, so we did nothing Monday, Tuesday, and then yesterday I like played a little bit of tennis and did some like light stuff. Um, and today felt pretty good. Like I was tired after 5k. That's all I did. But as far as like huge issues after, which sometimes I find like my knees are bad for a long time or something was totally great. So that was exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I usually find like, you know, whenever I've ran my races, it's like, I'm like a write off for a week. It's like being hung over. You oh my know, god! Just yeah. like dead to the world for like at least a week. It's just like for sure. Hungover is exactly what it feels like. So let's like go through the weekend that this race event is. And I said to you after the show, after the show, after the event, like that was one of the funnest events I've ever been a part of. I think the uniqueness of the course and how then it allows the two main aid stations to really like set up a huge party because every they see so many people so often really helps first of all you kind of get there at some point on thursday or friday and the 100k which is secretly closer to 110 um starts at 5 p.m so like chatting with the other runners of like what the fuck to do with that day was super hilarious and i imagine you guys were just like setting up and waiting um but it is just like it's such a mental fuck like 5 p.m is the most awkward time yeah because it's like it's not you can sleep, but the problem is, is you got to get there for like, you know, sometime between like three and four. Right. So, you know, like even if you do sleep, it's early enough in the day that it really doesn't do you any advantage. Um, and then, you know, like Friday for us is always busy. I mean, we've got lots of running around to do, but it's all, it's always like tying up the, like the last minute loose ends, you know, like, uh, I think Friday morning I was running around because our, uh, timing system, that we were using um the tablet that we used was like it's it's like the first version ipad so i don't even know there's probably people in the race that are predate the uh, the ipad you know so i had to go to like best buy and pick up like a new ipad and like you know like figuring it out right and uh managed to get it all working but i was like like last minute friday i'm like oh crap i gotta get like organized timing as well right because uh funny enough people like to know what their finishing times are when they do these things so um yeah it's just like it's a lot of loose ends right and then it's like getting the merch table set up printing off reports you know like for race registration check-in and um and then you have also the aid stations that are heading out to their locations and they're checking in with you being like oh my sheet says that i have you know two bags of m&ms but i only have one and you know i didn't get a power bar with my generator so i can't really hook anything up and it's like okay so like it's it's just a lot of like scrambling last minute and it doesn't matter what type of race I direct, they're all the same. It's always scrambling last minute. Yeah, I can see that. You know, because there's, it's just, there's a million things to do, you know, like, and you're trying to scramble to get everything done. But well, I that, think you totally nailed it. Like it ended up, I know we ran out of goods at, at one point, um, but it did feel like everything really came together. I'm sure it always feels like right at the last minute. It's just, it's as together as it's going to be and you got to just do it. We've got awesome aid station captains you know between uh jade and uh, heather at the roundtree aid station and andrew and zoe at the ross station and 
Dave and uh, Christy at the Monroe aid station, like they were all communicating with each other, you know, at one point being like, Hey guys, like we're towards the end of the 50 K day. Um, you know, like we're running out of Gatorade. Is there anybody that could run us over a canister Gatorade, you know? And then they were like kind of swapping things around. So like, you know, like our team is just, they're fantastic, right? Like I couldn't ask for a better team because they just, they just communicate so well and work so well, you know? And then of course there's the battle of the aid stations. I'm sure you saw that. Yeah. So it's like our Monroe aid station versus our Ross Durant's aid station. And uh, yeah, so there's like these little like cheeky things going on behind the scenes and the runners might not pick up on it, but you know, it's kind of one of those funny things that we have going on. Um, They're all just so into it. Like that's what you need is when you've been out by yourself, you just need that enthusiasm and they definitely all had that and the Christmas lights and like just, I spent as little time as possible in there because you could tell that you could get sucked in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we have a saying that everybody drops out at restaurants. Uh, and that's because it's like, I mean, they're all the ages and great, but it's just like restaurants just has this like feeling of just like, this place is so amazing. I don't want to leave. And then people are just like, don't send me back up that mountain. Like whatever you do, don't send me out. I was like, well, you could just drop here. And it's like, that sounds like a great idea. So, <laughs> you know, people well, just. And it's either way, like either direction you're going, you're like, I can't go up there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, so let's talk about that for a second because there were close to a hundred people signed up for the hundred and the double together to run that hundred K. And I think the DNF list was longer than the finisher list. Am I right? I think we had about 30%, um, 30% dropouts. I mean, this year was kind of interesting because, um, you know, I think it was the first time people really got to test themselves post COVID. So I think people really didn't know what to expect of their bodies, right? At least, you know, like, you know, in a normal year, you could have a couple of ultras in the last, you know, 12 months and you'd be like, okay, well, the last time I ran my body held up well, or didn't hold up well. And, uh, yeah. So I think the, the dropout rate was was pretty pretty standard, but I I, I felt like the drops were um, I don't want to say more serious, but more uh, we'll call it adventurous. There was a lot of puking going on on the Friday night. <laughs> I could tell, like I told you that one girl and I that were head to head, and I knew she was going to drop when I said like Oh, good job!" When I saw her on the turnaround, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know if she's injured, but I think she just went out and gave it shit, and then was like." okay, that's it. That's all I've got. And yeah. That, that course will just, it'll, you cannot really give it shit on that course. Like that's, I think what's so frustrating is it's not like one of those courses where you can just like redline it and then hope for the best. It's like, if you redline it too early, you're done. Like you're screwed. Yeah, totally. And I, I think the fact that you like, you know, what's coming makes it more challenging to go back out there. Um, Cause like if I had gotten to the 50 K mark of an ultra that I didn't know, or it was a point to point, it's easy to be like, okay, cool. I'm halfway, but you know what that halfway looks like. And that makes it so much fucking harder. Um, so that in the fact of like, it's the middle of the night, just, I purposely never looked at the distance and I never looked at the time of day because I didn't want ever to know, like I didn't want that to start fucking with me. So it was just like half hour by half hours. All I ever looked at. Um, and I definitely went out way too hard and then had to kind of like regroup a bit. And then I think I didn't start feeling good until Mount work the first time. Um, so it was easy to like chop it up into that sense to be like, okay, the warm up and the like anxiety and the stupid stuff's over. But like, yeah, it was totally on the verge of like tiny bit harder. And I would have screwed that up because I wouldn't have been able to eat. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing too, right? Cause it's like, 
your circadian rhythm is all screwed up starting at five o'clock, right? Cause you're now all of a sudden you're running at like, you know, 11 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning. And you're like, body's not used to eating. Body's not used to being awake. So you're fighting that you're fighting wet feet. You're fighting all these different problems that we've thrown at you with this race. And it's like, how do you manage? How do you manage it? You know, like, yeah. and that's, I think a big challenge of the race is it's like, we're going to throw everything at you like everything, you know, and you have to figure it out. Totally. It came down to me. I feel like I did like a good of a job as like I personally could do. And it was a hundred percent just having the experience and all the little problems being like, okay, I know I've been here before, usually not all of them at once, but there was nothing that was like super surprising. So the people that finished it, from their first 100K, I'm like, that's amazing. Cause you guys just went and tackled, like, like you just said, everything that can come up and manage to go through it. Yeah. It's mentally, it's such a, like, it's such a nasty course, right? Because it just mentally is just like, you know, you, you get over Mount work when you're on the way back and you're like, okay, I got that done. And then you like start going down and you get to the A station at Ross Durant's and you're like, man, I'm feeling great. And then you realize I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be going right down to the ocean. And then I got to do this stupidly long, savage climb that is going to take me who knows how long. And it just, you just, it's so mentally draining because you're just like, I, you know, I just want to have a couple hours where I can really just get my, my brain set up right. But it's just like, no, we're not going to let you do that. You have to deal with it. You have to deal with the suck and everything that comes from it. And that's what I love. You know, I love seeing that. Like I, it was interesting because I went out on the course a couple of times and, um, you know, towards the end of the 50 K I saw these people running around and it looked like an episode of the walking dead. Like people just had that thousand yard stare, you know, they just looked like, and of course, like I live in this little silo for a lot of the weekend. Cause I'm at the finish line. So you see everybody just so happy and emo- like emotional and just like, you know, tears of joy and everything like that. But I never really get to see what that like last death march looks like. And this year I did. And I was just like, man, like it's ugly, isn't it? It's like these people just saw like, you know, a car accident, like babies being killed, it looked like, right? And it's just like, you know, and here they are like wandering away. And I'm like, are you guys okay? And they're like, uh, I didn't need to get to the finish line, you know, kind of zombieing it over there. And it's like, all right. Thanks yeah. for signing the waiver. <laughs> A hundred percent. And so when you're, you, when you're racing and you see other people look like that, it's hard not to just be like, do, do, do you need help? Like, is everything going to be okay? Um, and then you see like the super fast guys that were already done portions of it. And then I was just super jealous for them. But then, so the hundred K's through the night and then the last, the way back, um, the 50 Kers start at 7am. So you start seeing these, um, people that look fresh come barreling at you on your way back. And that was a really cool thing too. And for some reason I was like, it's only like a 25 K like stretch, right. That we do a bunch of times. So there's this many runners, like we're going to get all bottlenecked, but I spent the entire race completely alone, which happens. Like I think I did mount work the first time with one guy and then that was it other than passing people. So then to suddenly get all these people um, was super fun, especially the front because that 50 K is pretty competitive. So there was like five guys where I was like cheering so hard. They didn't know how close they were to each other. And then the women had a super good race. Like there was like the top five women were like 10 yards apart, just 
hauling ass. So we were just like screaming for each other and you could hear like yips down the trail a bit. So that aspect I think is really cool how that's done. Yeah, I think people get turned away by the out and back or the, you know, the washing machine type format of race of races. But, you know, like, you know, I guess my question for you would be like, did you ever feel like you were running the same trail twice or three times or four times? <laughs> no, even on the 28K, I was like, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, I knew, <laughs> I knew that between like Jocelyn Hill around that checkpoint towards Roundtree, and then also down towards the beach, that that trail didn't make any sense to me. And that actually was the worst part for me because I, you kept thinking that you were going somewhere. And more than once, especially in the middle of the night, I stopped and was like, did I just turn around? Like, am I going the wrong way? Um, and it's like a one single track way. Like, there's no way I would have just randomly pulled a 180. Uh, but no, and I think you even said it before, you do the first part in sundown, you do some at sun up, you do some in the middle of the night. So no, other than like, Finlayson, it never felt, everything felt different. And I thought um, it was really cool in that sense. In fact, I think because the course is a little long, if you do three loops, it's 100 miles. Yeah. So we had a couple people take a stab at doing the 100K and then try to get to the start line for be able to make the first cutoff at the first aid station. So Basically, you'd have to run like a 14 or 15 hour 100K and then go out for loop three, which is on that course is like crazy, right? Like I would love to see something record, 15 hours. Yeah, 15 and a half hours. Yeah. So that means after 106K or whatever it is, uh, you would have to saddle up, head back out there. And now you're chasing cutoffs in a 50K. So now you've just done 100K. Now you're trying to like finish the 50k. You're chasing cutoffs. You got to deal with all the same problems that you're dealing with beforehand. And it's just like, yeah, I'd love to see someone try and do that. And that's how the double was born, right? It was uh, Andrew Barkley. Uh, he was just like, I'm gonna run the 100k and then I'm gonna run the 28k the next day. And I was like, all right, fill your boots, man. And he showed up on the Sunday. And he, he's he looked like he had just been out drinking the night before, but he he's like, I'm here, I'm here. Can I get a bib? I'm like all right, here's your bib. <laughs> and he went out there and he did it. And, you know, and there it was born, right? Like the, the double was born. We're like, all right, this could be its own event. Um, yeah, it's just people just, it's, yeah, it's just so funny seeing people just like how wrecked they are, you know. And For, it's, for uh, Sunday morning? For totally. Sunday morning, right? And, and so uh, I got there and I didn't realize on the 100K, everybody that was running the 100 had a white bib and we had yellow, the doubles. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of people, a lot of yellow bibs out there, actually. But what I didn't realize was at the 28K, we were just already wearing our yellow bibs. So when I got there, I was like, whoa, I'm the only person that looks like fucking garbage because <laughs> I thought we were all in the double. Well, you know, and, and you did really well. Yeah. You did really well. Like, you know, for someone that just ran 100K the day before and being up all night the day before. Uh, you know, like he did really, really well. I mean, the guy who won Charles Perrin, he was like sixth overall in the 28 K and he just ran a hundred K and won it the day before. Holy, that's insane. Like, yeah, it was insane. I, I couldn't believe it. And, uh, so he set a course record, uh, for the double, um, as did you actually, let's talk about that. You won and you got <laughs> set a course record now that I was able to actually yeah, get that was unexpected, but it was fun. 
Yeah. Right? No, you, you crushed it out there. I mean, like, yeah. And, you know, like it was so cool watching you and Deb race. Uh, when I saw you guys at Monroe, there was a bit of a gap between you guys, maybe only a couple minutes. And then, you know, back at Ross Durant's, I saw you pass her in the aid station. And I was like, oh, Hillary's going to, Hillary's going to crush her from here on in. There's no stopping her. <laughs> I really didn't, um, like I felt prepared and I wanted to win. So I felt like the thing about the night was, um, you can hear female voices. And every time I heard people talking and if I heard a, a girl voice, I was just like, fuck no. Like, I just feel like I've trained for so many years because there was COVID. And then I was on mat leave before that, um, that I just wanted to, to run hard. So it was fun. Yeah. And you, you may, you know, I hesitate to say you made it look easy. Cause it wasn't, you know, I could definitely see like there was struggle on everybody, you know, and, uh, that helps me sleep at night knowing that people struggle out there. <laughs> Um, you know, but, uh, you know, like you looked in control, you know, and that I think is the big people that do well on that course. Like they have control over themselves. You know, they don't go out and like crush the downhills when they can. They don't go and hammer themselves on the uphills. Like some of the guys, the lead guys in the 50 K I was talking, I think it was to Matt Cecil. And he was like, some of those guys going up Mount Finlayson at the beginning of the 50 K he's like, they were redlining it like, and beyond redlining it. Like they, they were breathing so hard they couldn't talk. And it's just like, that's bad news. You know, like, it's like, yeah. And like, you know, Hillary, you had control the entire time, which is, I think a big piece of experience to pass on other people. It's like, you gotta, you know, like your time will come just not right now. Like be patient because this, this course will just eat you alive. Well, Thank you. And I was actually laughing with my husband because it's not so much control as just like, I only have one pace and it was the same pace that the 28 K was on. And if I had done the 50, I would have had the same pace as lap one. That's just all there is. <laughs> yeah. It's that ultra gear, right? It's just like, you know, yeah. put it into third gear and then you just stay there the whole time. Right. And it's, yeah, I mean, it was cool watching you guys race, you know, like uh, you want the one thing as a race director that I always struggle with is I'd love to be everywhere on the course at all times to like see people and like just chat with people and just, you know, get their experience. Cause you know, when they come into the finish line, you know, like I was saying, there's a lot of those emotions, right? Like people are so happy, you know, whether it's because they've accomplished something great or they're just thankful that whatever hellhole they just did or got out of is behind them now. And, you know, like it would be cool to like engage with people and be like, you know, how are you feeling right now? Like what's going on? Like, it's just like, this is brutal. You know, like I, this is a slog. Like, you know, mentally I'm just destroying myself and it's like, okay, how do you manage this? How do you get out of this rut? You know, like that would be, you know, as a race director, I think that's the piece that I probably miss out on the most just because yeah, I am at the start finish line. Yeah. And I can tell you for sure that that, what those conversations were happening and it's cool to see like people pair off. And I think either bring each other up or sometimes if somebody has negative energy, you've got to try to, as a group, like get rid of that because you can feed off of it with each other, but I started to see people get into little groups and then stay in those little groups. Yeah. Probably help them. Yeah. You know, you see that a lot, especially in the long race, especially towards the end, right? People are just like, okay, we just got to do this together. If you're feeling like crap, I'm going to, you know, help you out. If, if I'm feeling like crap, like crap, help me out. Um, you know, it's, it's savage. So I guess my question for you is we had a, a podcast together a couple of weeks before the race. Did, did everything live up to its expectations? Yes, <laughs> it definitely did. I actually was going to text you at one point in the race that I hated you, but I realized my phone was in a drop bag. 
<laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I wanted Mike so badly to wake up to just this ruthless, angry, like belligerent text. Um, Cause you do kind of get into like a weird spacey zone. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was exactly, it was exactly what you said where I'm just like, I got to Mount Finlayson and was like, Oh, I don't know if we've had a major climb yet, but we'd had, like you said, it was like a thousand feet or something already. And so it just like, you're always going up or you're always going down. And then like, you kind of think you might get into a rhythm, but then it gets like weirdly technical and kind of awkward. Um, definitely some of the highlights were the people at the aid stations, um, seeing other people and just how excited everybody was for everybody else. And then at one point coming off of Mount work, um, like you said, that is the best aid station. It's super bright. Um, I just started running down the dark road and some random guy was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I had to come back and I was like, if I miss that, I'm never going to see a play. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was one Um, of our, that was one of our spots that we kind of, you know, like every year I, I look at things that we can do better. Right. And it was like, and I marked that intersection. I thought I marked it really well, but then being there at night with my headlamp on, I realized I'm like, oh man, there's all these extra reflectors all around. So no wonder people aren't able to kind of see. So luckily some volunteers stepped up and kind of marshaled that intersection for us. And, you know, it's a huge testament to our, to our community here because they just, I mean, they, they just go and do it. They don't even ask questions. They're like, yeah, we'll just stay here overnight and just make sure people go the right way. Yeah. And then the people that were on the lookout, um, or the Jocelyn Hill like checkpoint with the, just the water. I was like, wait a minute. Are you guys the same people that I saw 12 hours ago? And they were like, yes. In the rain all night sitting there. And I was just like, you guys are absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. So the volunteers were so cool and they were like super stoked every time that you came through. They were very helpful. Um, very good at the COVID protocol, which was like not too intense, but it was strictly enforced and it felt good and safe and easy without being like overbearing. You could still get in and out super fast. Um, so that was a really good job that you guys did. The competitiveness of the women I thought was really cool. Like you guys have been known as more of like a grassroots race where like you said, like a few years ago, there's only like 25 people in the hundred or something. There were so many people this year and there was some really fast runners. Like Jillian was an Ironman champion. Like that's freaking yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, Emily Savile's super fast. Yeah, she's she, yeah, she was like super fast. And um, Alexa Johnson was amazing. Um, I was really excited when I turned around and saw her there on Mount Work. Um, Brittany had a bad day, but she's super skilled. Like, there was just a lot of really good. Um, Emma Noon, who's it was her first 100k, first time over 50 in a race. Um, and she did super well. Like, there was just some really strong women, and then. I don't actually know who won the 50, but Lindsay, um, who won the 28, ran that so fast. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you know, I think it's interesting because looking back on the race, like I remember when we, you know, when I, when I was talking to some, you know, some of my friends like Steve uh, about putting this race on, you know, like I remember we had to go and sit in front of the Highlands, uh, District of Highlands uh, Council. And they kind of asked, you know, like, what do you expect out of this thing? Like, you know, like, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of see, like, you know, get an idea of like my intentions with the race. And I remember one guy was like, one of the counselors was like, do you ever expect it to be like a Squamish 50 type race? You know, a big event, uh, lots of people. And I just said to him, like, no, I don't ever expect it to be like that. Like, you know, um, 
you know, I, I, you know, if it does, you know, like sweet, um, you know, we're going to try to keep it as grassroots and community oriented as possible. And, um, but you know, that's not my intention. And it's crazy to look back on that because, um, it has changed so much. And I think for the better, we've allowed more people. We still kept that like individualized feeling. Like when you go to the aid stations, like the one thing I noticed is like, you feel like you're the only runner, you know, on our aid station volunteers yeah. and, and the captains are so good at, even with the COVID protocols this year, um, you know, of like not touching things and stuff like that, like not filling up bottles or doing, you know, like helping people with blisters and stuff like that. Like they still did an awesome job. So I'm just like, they're doing this good right now. Like what's that going to, ha- what's that going to say in the future? Like, I mean, like these places are like, and, and they do it on their, on their own choice. Like I've never said to them, you must do this and this and this. I just say, Hey, I need you guys to run an aid station, you know, fill your boots. And this is what they come up with, you know, like, and, uh, I think that's, what's really cool is this is very much a, you know, like I'm the race director. Yes. hundred percent. It's my race. Totally get that. But it's, it's very much a community race. Like all these people come together to provide their input, to provide their organizational skills, to provide whatever it is to the event that makes it so great. It's not just a, you know, a, the Mike LaBelle show. And it's just, I have, you know, these people that I tell them what to do. It's like, like the eight stations do what they, they want. You know, like I say to them, I was like, you guys want to do your own food. Like we'll provide you with, you know, the standard aid station fare. But if you guys want to, you know, cook up bacon or whatever, like here's a budget for it, go and do, you know, source it yourself. And, you know, like, because I, like, I don't know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Like, you know, and so like the Monroe aid station, they have a connection to red barn markets so they went out and got like this like world famous bacon and they were cooking that. And then, you know, the Ross Durant's aid station that was, um, what was it they were cooking? They had like quesadillas and stuff like that. And then one year, uh, Roundtree was doing sushi, you know, like, and like, these are things that they think up on their own. Like, I don't tell them to do it. It's just, here you go. You know, you, you need money to go and do it. Absolutely. There's a budget for it. Like, I'm not going to be stingy on it because the, these people, that's what they're passionate about. They want to make sure that the runners are taken care of. And they would have somebody kind of come down the way, like you said, and figure out who, what your name was and, and yell it back. And I know some of that was tracking, but they also were, would shout out like doing this race and like any personal details they knew and made it, like you said, feel like you were super special, which is the pump up you need, especially if you don't have a crew, which yeah. I did not have a crew. A lot of people did. And my husband said he was looking at the social media the next day and he was like, people were thanking their crew and I was lying in bed. Like, was I supposed to do something? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, don't worry. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the event has changed so much, but I feel like we've, we've managed to keep it kind of, you know, like, like true to its roots. Um, yeah. It's you know, a big competitive race that feels grassroots, which is like what you want as a trail runner. I feel like. Yeah. And even with the format, like, you know, I think the, my biggest concern is that the trails get so packed during the race that you never really have that ability to have that solitude, um, which is a really important piece for me in trail running. Cause I know like, you know, in certain races that I've done, like, you know, when I'm feeling like garbage, I just want to be alone. You know, I just want to be alone with my deep depressing thoughts to be able to sort out, you know, and, when I see somebody around, I get even more irritated because I'm just like, oh, they're ruining my vibe right now, even though I, they probably don't want to be around me because I would be a miserable person to be around. But, um, you know, it's it's it, that's the important piece, right, is, is maintaining that kind of, you know, true, authentic kind of trail running experience, which I, I think we do a really good job of. 
I think it spreads out more than you think. Like the last time I saw you, what it was probably 10 or 10 30 or something. Yeah. I didn't run a single step with another person the rest of the day. So, How was that running at night in the woods by yourself? You know, I was pretty focused on like where I wanted to go. I did kind of know that there were men in front of me in a group, um, but probably not far enough that I would see them coming back so that I was going to feel very alone. And just that lead guy who was super fast, he had just come down Finless Inn when I was getting to that turnoff. Um, so that's that lollipop section, right? Yeah. After you start again. Um, so I think I'd kind of prepared for it, but knowing that they had just been through and potentially scared all the creatures away made it a lot easier. But I a hundred percent, when you were like, there was a cougar at the bottom of Finlayson thought you were kidding. So when I got there <laughs> and my headlamp just shines on the sign that says cougar in area, I was like, fuck sake. <laughs> and just after I saw it, a big beige thing jumped out of the woods and then into the water. And it was a big deer gave me a total heart attack. And I was like, okay, I just need to get out of here. Then I went to the washroom on the top of Finlayson. And at that point I had a belt um, light. And when I like squatted down, it covered it. So then I was like, oh, it's totally dark. And that's when I like thought I saw a cougar. Um, and I was like, fuck, I got to get out of here. Like, but the only way out is to follow the course anyways. And then I stood up with the light and the cougar had like a little rain bucket hat on. And I was like, okay, probably not a real cougar, but like, <laughs> I still need to get the fuck out of here. Cause as soon as I get to the bottom, I'm going to start seeing people come towards me. So I was like going as fast as I could at that point to come see the other headlamps. Cause I needed them. So knowing that I was going to get other people like passing by was kind of kept me good. But the other thing that surprised me rambling now, um, I thought I would see way more deer and stuff. But do you know the trail, the second the lights go out or the sun goes down, um, it's covered in slugs, huge spiders and mice. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I was like, what is happening? Like literally covered mice everywhere. So I was chatting to them. Oh, you're talking to the mice. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, we actually, uh, <laughs> so we had this like kind of funny joke going on on the weekend at the campsite. I was saying 90% of race directing is, and then dot, dot, dot. Right. So like, uh, we have tons of mice at the campsite, so we have to like do some pest control to keep them out of the food and stuff like that, right? So I was going around with my my rake and you know my sending the traps and be like ninety uh, percent of race directing is pest control, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then when it was raining, it was like ninety percent of race directing is water water management, right? As I'm like hitting the the uh, the tents with my rake to like drain the water out and stuff like that. So you know, just kind of. Yeah, it's it's a it's a different experience, you know. Like, um, but it's uh, it's a really cool experience. I think running running at night in the trails is is something that a lot of people don't do. Um, and then they experience it, and they're like, "This is actually really cool." Because yeah, you get super focused, and you kind of just forget. Yeah, and like, so if you were like, "Go train on that route in the middle of the night," no way. Like, I would lose my mind. But just knowing that there's people out there made it so much better, and it totally is magical. Lori was saying that. Um, yeah, just makes it kind of special. Yeah, let's talk oh, about Lori right. Heron for a minute because yeah, she deserves she, all the kudos. Yeah, she like she was you know she was up at the same time every morning that I was, and she would often be going to bed around the same time I was. Like she works so hard, uh, and yeah, it's just like 
I can't do this race without her. And I mean, like Steve Mandy's the same way. Like, you mean like he had the 28 K aid station packed up, ready to go at like one o'clock on the Saturday, like the day oh. before, like, like the two of them, like, I mean, my, my entire team is amazing. Like Kathy, Adrian, Jody, uh, Tyler, you know, like Sylvia, like they're all amazing, you know, but like those two, like they've been there since pretty much the beginning. Like it is like so important to me to have them there. Like one year, Lori wasn't there because she was running, I think it was Tahoe. She ran the Tahoe 200. And yeah, she's also like an amazing runner. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like amazing is an understatement. She is like, she is like ultra running, you know, like, you know, when you think like classic, like ultra runners, like her name comes up, you know, like she, uh, you know, Lori, Lori and I met like years ago and it was like, you know, like, yeah, she's, she's phenomenal. And she's just like the most like kind, generous person. Like she, um, we had a, a, an incident where we had to actually stretch her somebody out. Um, somebody fell and cut their knee in the 50 K and they actually couldn't, uh, bend their leg. Them. You met them. Yeah. I met them on the ferry. Yeah. So that person uh, was getting kind of cold because it was really cold and rainy on this one side of Mount Finlayson, which was funny because at the race finish line, it was actually dry. Um, it wasn't raining at that point. But Lori like literally gave the shirts off her back to warm this person up. And um, like it was just phenomenal. Like that's the type of person she is. And that's the type of people we have on our team is like they literally will take the shirt off their back and give it to you. And you know what? Every single person was smiling, positive and having the most fun. And I think that's the thing, like, it's just a really big party for everybody. And I think everybody, like all the volunteers, um, I think we're making like each other feel important and it just, the vibe is so good. So I don't know how you created that or how you would recreate it, it but it definitely it just happens organically, well. you know, like, you know, I don't think that I'm any different or special than any other race director. Like, this is definitely a passion project of mine. Like I'm, I'm actually going to be taking over the Vancouver Island trail running series again. I took, I had it for about three years, I think like 2015 to 2018. And then I gave it up for a couple of years. And like I, this weekend really like instilled how much I love doing this. And I, I, you know, I don't do it for the money because there's not a lot of money in race directing. Um, <laughs> I do it because it's amazing. Like it's so cool. Right. And um, you know, same before, like this is my way of connecting with the community, with the community. You know, I might not be able to run ultras right now. I'm maybe in the future, but right now this is how I can, you know, stay as a, a part of my community. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Well, I definitely think it's something like, and, and Victoria is just so beautiful. You go make a weekend of it. Like my parents came over. So if you're looking for a race, like in Canada in the Pacific Northwest at all, like it's just such a great destination race to go do. And the Island trails are even so different from the lower mainland. Like it's just kind of a different view the arbutus trees like everything about it is kind of a cool wonderland without actually having to go that far well i mean it's not that far for me but i mean not like you're going you know way into the middle of the tropics or something to get a cool kind of feel yeah it's definitely like i think it's a very unique event um but it's also close to home so it's like you know it's super accessible um it's just a lot of fun you know, and I think that's what, you know, we talk about how hard it is and how mentally destructive it can be, you know, but it's at the same time, it's like, it's a lot of fun, you know, like people just like the amount of feedback we've gotten, you know, from people just saying like how much they've loved it, you know, um, course volunteers, all sorts of stuff. Like 
you know, like that's why it keeps us going. Right. Cause if people are like, nah, you know, it's okay. You know, I've run other races that are a little bit better, but we constantly are hearing from people that was the best race ever. And it's like, that's what we strive for. We strive to put on the best race ever. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I love that. If you had one thing, I know you got to get going pretty quick here, but one thing you wanted to improve upon or make better about the race, what do you think? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, like I, th- I think I would love to do live tracking. I think that's a big thing that would, I think people would really appreciate um, yeah, our social media game. Actually. Yeah. Our social media game this year with uh, Liesl doing it was like on point. She did a fantastic oh, yeah. job. Sorry, I have to interrupt uh, you. I wanted to. I wanted to say Lisa was so cool, and she was so nice and so great. So yes, she was amazing. Continue. Yeah, she was like the right person for the job. You know, I think we're realizing now that we are growing as an event, and it's like we kind of have to look at things and go, okay, maybe we need to start formalizing things. Like this is not just a thrown together race anymore. This is like a big production, you know, and you know we need to kind of accept that, but also you know stay true to our our roots. So it's tough. You know, like, I don't, I don't know if there's anything, one thing I would want to improve on. There's always like little learnings. Um, but I like the, the way it is. I think it, it, people like the way it is. And we, you know, we provide an experience to people that is like, is awesome, you know, and that's really all I want is that people walk away from them being like, that was awesome. Well, that's all I heard at the finish line for sure. And I think I said that to you too. Um, so thank you so much for all you do. Um, we'll get this out right away because everybody I know is waiting for race photos they want to relive it so um, should be out today or tomorrow race photos for matt cecil so yeah check our website or facebook and instagram page um we'll post them there sweet and i'll link to the show notes all of the websites and stuff so if you guys want a race to run next year i highly recommend this one well thank you for rehashing that was fun yeah it was fun and i'm uh, i'm glad to hear you're no longer uh, as sore yeah still a piece of shit but not as sore. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome Okay, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Bye. What do you think about the motivation to run? The bus. No, not on a bus. On your feet to run 100K in no. the middle of the night. No. Oh, no? Don't do it? Would you want to run for that long in the night? No. How come? Bus. Because you want to take a bus. Would you want to see a bear? Yeah, a bear does. And what about a cougar? To that. What does the bear say when you see him? Open. Oh, he says open. Open. Are you gonna? You know what you're gonna do when I'm running? Bus. You're gonna be sleeping. The wheels go round and round. Oh, the wheels on the bus go round and round. No bus. I don't know if we're having the same conversation. You're just telling me about what a bus does. Are you motivated to run one kilometer? I open bus.